and let's get started. Y'all ready? Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for an, another day that you've given us, God. Uh, I'm reminded every day, God, of how good you are, how gracious you are, God, that you're in sovereign, you're in control. And God, uh, that should give us hope, should give us peace. God, it should give us comfort. God, too many times, God, I know, we, uh, I know for myself, I run around thinking that I'm in control and thinking that uh, I've got to do all these different things and everything's dependent upon me. And God, sometimes when we stop and we look and we recognize, God, that you are in control. And uh, God, we need to be diligent. We need to do the things we need to do, God, but we shouldn't be anxious for anything. And God, as we come together tonight as your people, God, I pray that we would be a, a time, God, where we can take a deep, deep breath in, we can relax, we can hear from your word, we can hear from heaven. And God, we can be encouraged. Lord, we can be exhorted. God, we might even need to be rebuked tonight from what your word says to us, God. But I pray whatever said, God, whatever comes from your word, God, that we would be open to it. And God, we would be willing to be changed. We'd be willing to be different. God, I pray we'd be a people that endures as we talk about lasting relationships tonight, God. I pray we'd be a people that are ready to endure. God, that we see the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it, God, and we're willing to hang on because it's worthwhile. So, God, I pray, Lord, as we uh, have some time and we talk and we seek you out tonight, God, I pray that you'd be found. I pray that people would be encouraged again. And I pray, God, that people would uh, endure. God, they'd be willing to go through whatever they're going through today, God, knowing that you're in control of tomorrow and the next day and eternity. So we just pray, Lord, that you would be with us, God. We pray for all those folks in our church and in our community, God, that are hurting, that have lost family members, Lord, those folks that are in the hospital recovering from surgery. God, I pray just an extra measure of grace in each situation, God, as only you can give. I pray that we as your body, God, we would care for those people, not just in that month that it's happened, God, but months down the road, God. We'd still continue to reach out and make sure they know that not only do, do we care, God, but you care for them. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so tonight we're going to be talking about building your marriage to last. I wrote this on the board before I recognized my first question. This is for down the road, so we'll come back to this. So I want to ask, list some reasons marriage doesn't last. Priorities. Say it again. Priorities. Priorities. Okay. Dedication. 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 Hold on. What else? Other reasons marriage doesn't last. Communication. Communication. Easy outs. Easy outs. That sounds like something you use to get a broken out bolt, but I like that too. Easy out. Yep. It's not hard anymore. Any others? Oh, I know somebody's going to bring it up. Money. Any others? Yeah, I was going to say that is a, there's a lot of things that downflow there, but yeah. Uh, oh my goodness. I'm going to put family. It's a family tradition, right? Mm hmm. Okay. What else? All right. I want to tell y'all a story then. Is that all right? It's a story about two people that they're not married, but they're very, very close friends. And they're out one day, they're celebrating one of the guy's birthdays, and they're out fishing. And they're on a little boat. And the one looks over in the water, and he sees this ring. And he looks down, and he gets it out, and he's like, this is so pretty. And the other one's like, no, he wants it. So they fight over it to the point where the one kills the other one that found the ring. 
That's called selfishness, right? Do y'all know what story that is? Anybody got an idea? Lord of the Rings. Well, somebody. There's some other people, right? I think of Gollum. That's what I thought of when I thought about that. The one thing that we didn't put up here that's there is selfishness. I think that was, that's the number one killer, I think, of relationships, period. When you can't consider anybody else greater than yourself, well, hold on, is that a priority issue? Is that a dedication issue? You're only dedicated to yourself? Communication? You have problems communicating because you're just worried about you? Easy out? Hey, if it's about me and it ain't about nobody else, money, it goes through all of them. So selfishness leads us to isolation. I think it's interesting just to continue on the Lord of the Rings because I did read the books and everything. Notice, in order to get rid of the ring, what did it take? A fellowship. A group of people, different people from different paths, right? And they went on to, in order to lead to the ring's destruction. So just wanted to make sure I threw that out there. I'm glad some of y'all caught the story because I'm not a great storyteller. I was going to go precious at some point, you know, <laughs> make sure all of you got uh, keyed in there. Uh, so building your marriage to last. We've got to make sure that we understand what selfishness is and then some priorities and some principles in order to help our marriages to last. Some principles to go through. To build intimacy, to make something last, we have to be alert to others' needs and not just be alert to them, but do what? Fulfill them. Work to meet those needs before seeking to fulfill our own. And if some of this sounds familiar, it might be. I might have said this sometimes in the past 11 weeks. Uh, another one, to achieve oneness to, in order, to, again, to make your marriage last, you have to have a strong commitment to God's purpose for marriage. What's one of the first things you have to know in order to fulfill God's purpose for marriage? You've got to know the Lord and you've got to know what is His purpose for marriage. So let's ask that question tonight. What's God's purpose for marriage? Glorify God. It does glorify Him. What else? To illustrate the relationship between Christ and the church. To illustrate the relationship between, yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Any others? Uh, that's the one I was looking for. Dominion, right? What did God create man and woman for originally back in Genesis? To have dominion. And in order to have, really, to take dominion, you have to have something that produces offspring, and you have a man and a woman to produce offspring, to have dominion over not just the little area they're in, but over the whole earth. So we have to know what that purpose is for marriage, and we have to be committed to fulfilling it. That should be the number one thing that we have in our marriage. Not that I'm happy and she's happy. Not that we got a house that we want. Not that we have the career we want. Are we fulfilling God's mandate for marriage? That should be a question we should ask ourselves regularly couple other principles. You can fully accept your spouse because God's aware of your need and he's trustworthy to meet it. That's a pretty tough one there. You can fully accept them because God is using them to fulfill the needs that you have. That one flesh, help meet, all of those things go in there. And principle, the last principle we'll go through is only through the Holy Spirit can you build a God-honoring home. You cannot do it on your own. So, the opposite of isolation and selfishness is oneness. Question, who are you journeying through life with? Who's the friends and the people that you surround yourself with? Are they the kind of people that are helping you fulfill your mandate from God? Are they the kind of people that are just there? Show me who you hang out with, I'll show you what your future is going to look like. 
We need to be real careful. What should you do with those people that you're hanging around with that ain't quite who you should be hanging out with? You should be a witness to them. What else should you do? Guard yourself, right? If you don't guard yourself, you might wreck yourself, right? You need to make sure that you think, I'm strong enough, I can handle it. I'm, I'm afraid that doesn't happen. No, you might be strong enough for a season, but not for the entire time. You need to be careful. So be careful of who you're journeying through life with. A couple of scriptures we're going to turn to now. Let's go to Psalm 133. I think we've already been there, but it's so good, we've got to go back. Psalm 133. Mm. So in order to build your marriage to last, we have to look at who we're uh, hanging around and what are we going to do with each other. So let's look at Psalm 133, verse 1, it says here. It says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the Jew of Hermon. Descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commended the ble- commanded the blessing, live forevermore. So what is this telling us? Behold how good it is for us to live together in unity. And then gives us two pictures. How many of y'all know what the, the precious oil running down a beard is, is about? What do y'all think that's for? You ever had a big old thick beard and then put some of that oil in there? It made it feel kind of weird. I don't want to lie to you back in the day, you know. So what? Do what? Dapper Dan, ah, that stuff's outlawed now, I think. Uh, so what is this image speaking to us about? Anointing. An anointing, thank you. I was going to say we could start off with the ABCs there, right? The anointing, right? What, when it talks about having unity and anointing, how do those two go together? We're almost down to the end here. I want, I want to hear some stuff from people out here in the last little bit. What does unity and anointing have to do with each other? Do I need to bring some 40-weight motor oil in here and dump on some of y'all's noggins? Is that what it is? Is that what it's talking about? Very much so. Mm. So the anointing is... Go ahead, Dave. Go ahead. I said for us, in, in, in our context with the church, you know, Aaron is a, a picture of the Holy Spirit coming upon him and he's going to do the work of the Lord. Mm. And in order to have unity... Where do we get our unity through? It's got to be the Holy Spirit, right? So we have this, and then it talks about the Jew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. Anybody ever been to Hermon in the mountains of Zion? You ever looked at the Smoky Mountains and seen the, the Jew there? What does it do? It looks like the whole thing is the same, right? All of us there together. And it's telling us that's how we're to be. We're supposed to have unity as the people of God. If we want things to last, guess what we have to do? We have to have unity. Because what's the opposite of unity? Disunity. Now, what's the opposite of it? Strife. Does things last when you have strife? What does strife do? It divides down. It tears things down. Look at the aftermath of any war or or issue that's going on in the world today. What does it look like afterwards? It's built up. Grass is smowed. Everything looks great. It's tore down. Look at lives today. Look at our country. Look at the lives that are out there. Is it a result of unity or a result of strife? Look at our family situation. It's a result of strife. Unity binds us together. Strife divides us. Okay, let's go over here to Ecclesiastes real quick like. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. 
couple chapters over, a couple of books over. Ecclesiastes 4, we're going to look at 9 through 12. And I'm sure most of y'all have heard this before, but I think it bears repeating ourselves. And it says up here at the top of, of online, it says, The value of a friend. The value of a friend. Verse 9 says, Two are better than one. Now, if you've ever had an ice cream cone, you would amen that, right? Because two are always better than one. It says, Because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. For he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Did God put us here to be the Lone Ranger and live alone? Absolutely not. We look over and over in Scripture, and we see where we're commanded to be part of something bigger. We look at the church, and it says that the church has all the diversity of talents and gifts, just like it's a, a building. If you have a building without a roof, is it a building anymore? You ever lived in a place and the roof's going on it? It gets pretty wet in there. It's pretty rough. I won't lie. It's pretty tough, right? So for this, for us, how are we being unified? Are we taking this and are we valuing it to the point where we understand that our unity is what makes us strong? So when it looks here, uh, I thought about Anita, you know, when it says two lie down together, they will keep warm because when you're in a tent and it's like 30 degrees and she likes to camp, it's pretty tough when you're by yourself. But if you've got somebody there to warm you up, it helps a lot, right? Fortunately, I don't go with her often, so Alicia goes with her, and they can do that. And they keep each other warm in a tent. It's good to have that, right? And it says here, a threefold cord is not quickly, quickly broken. What is that referring to? That's a good answer, like from the, is that like a kid answer? Jesus, God. Right. I like it. Is it actual? It, yeah, it is, right? So we not, we not only have each other, but we have Christ. We have the Holy Spirit who's actually binding us together. So what's one of the biggest issues we run into when we look at something lasting, enduring? Y'all ever come to the point of the end of your rope, the end of your endurance? What happens when that uh, occurs? Physically, mentally, emotionally? Mm Mm-hmm. Pretty much, you pretty much drop whatever's going on, right? So if you want something to last, you have to make sure that you don't come to the end of your rope, to the end of your endurance. Let's flip over to Philippians 2 real quick, like. We're going to do some uh, rating here, and then we're going to go through uh, a couple of other things tonight. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2, verses 1 through 4. And here's what I want you all to do as I'm reading through these. We want to list out principles found in here, okay? So we're going to list these out. Uh, Philippians 2 verse 1 says, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if there's any comfort of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if there's any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. So if we're going to map out principles found here, what's some principles that are found in these verses? Is there any principles found in the verses, or did I miss did I miss some of them? Okay. 
Comfort of love. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put it on this way because I read a different translation. But uh, yeah, that's right. Encouragement. I shouldn't pick big words. Encouragement. What else? Uh huh. What other principles are listed? Sorry, the, it sounded like somebody slammed the door. I couldn't hear it. I heard the sympathy. Okay, thank you. Humility. Any others? Selflessness. I like words that rhyme like that. Yep, what else? It's like a building up. I don't know how it looks like building up of others. There's a esteem others better than yourself or your. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how to put that either, but I can write that down. Yeah, it could go under encouragement. Okay. I'm going to put it down here anyway because Eric said it. I don't want to hear it later. Uh, here's what I wrote down when I read through it this afternoon. So I wrote down encouragement, comfort, participation. Not that you get a trophy for participating, but are we participating in other people's lives? Affection, sympathy, joy, having the same mind, the same love, which is unity. Having full accord, which is unity. One mind, unity. Humility, and the interest of others. So these principles, how often are we living these out in our life and in the church? And in our marriage. Are these the things that bind us together? Versus what we wrote down earlier. I think this replaced the list of what. My marriages didn't last right. Mm -hmm. And those were red and these are green. Did y'all see. I I didn't even mean to do that. Wow it's amazing right. (laughs) So are we putting these on. And these always will then do what. Overcome selfishness. Right. So when you want to be selfish. And you say hold on I need to be an encouragement to somebody. Well, can you be selfish and be an encouragement to somebody? You might be able to. You might be able to swing it. You might be a slick tongue. You might be able to get that. I don't think so. If you have unity, does unity can unity and selfishness exist in the same platform? I, I don't think they can either. What about sympathy? What about empathy then? Okay. What's the other one? There's another one. No. Uh, so all of these, right? The problem we have is selfishness tears all this down. So what are we selfish about tonight? What are you holding on to that you shouldn't be holding on to? What should you be letting go of and making sure that God is in control of it? Just some questions for reflection. All right, I got a chart that I did. I thought it was pretty neat, but now that I did it, I think, I don't know if it's going to be neat or not. But let's, let's write it in here anyway. I want to make sure that we're doing this because, let's see. Whoa. That's pretty bad. Okay. And each one of y'all are going to have to come up here and write where you rate on each one, okay? <laughs> or you can just call it out and I'll write your name down and put a smiley face beside of it or, or maybe not.
And there's more on each one of these. I just don't want to take the time to write it. Okay. Okay. So based on sort of Philippians that we went down, we can sort of look at it for here, for this. Are we reflecting God's perfect love for imperfect people to our spouse? Are we accepting them 100% for who they are? Or are we trying to tweak and change them to fit our agenda? Are we reflecting God's perfect love for imperfect people to our families? Maybe it's our parents. Maybe it's our cousins. Maybe it's that weird uncle that maybe most of us have. Are we reflecting God's perfect love for imperfect people? And then let's take it the rest of the way, right? We could almost say Jerusalem, Judea, to the ends of the world, right? To everybody. When you're driving... Are you reflecting God's perfect love for imperfect people? When you're waiting in line, are you reflecting God's perfect love for imperfect people? They tell me I'm number one, so I guess. They do? Okay. We'll talk about that after class. I'll, I'll explain that a little more in depth. Right? Uh, are we reflecting God's loving kindness by serving to meet needs? I didn't write it all down. I'm going to fill you in here because it's a lot to write down. To our spouse. Are we reflecting God's loving kindness to serve others to meet needs? to our families, and are we reflecting God's loving kindness by serving others to meet their needs? Are we reflecting God's commitment by patiently supporting other people? And I'll say that again, not just supporting them. Okay, I'll do this for you. No, no, are we patiently supporting our spouse, our families, others? And then last, are we reflecting God's peace by resolving conflicts? to our spouse, to our families, and to others. Tough question, easy question. Y'all have already got under control? Good, good, good. In order for us to do this, we need to consider this on a regular basis. We are reflecting something. Is it God's love? Is it God's peace? Is his, what are we reflecting? Who are you reflecting it to? I should have filled some more in there, but I like having the blanks there. Y'all can come during small group. Small group, y'all need to fill this out, okay? That's your task. A God-honoring marriage is not created by finding a flawless spouse, but by allowing God's perfect love and acceptance to flow through you, who is an imperfect person, towards another imperfect person, your spouse. Let's look at three steps uh, for a God-honoring marriage. I think we've already done these, but we're going to do them again. Why? Because we want a marriage that lasts, right? That's what we got to do. So number one, first and foremost step is by leaving. How many of y'all still have issues with your parents? And you maybe you've been married for a while. Nobody? Okay. One, one honest soul. We are called to leave. We're called to be independent from our parents. Hold on. Some of y'all might be there. You've got kids that are married. Are you that person? Maybe not. Okay. No? Okay. We're called to leave. We're supposed to allow our children to leave, to be independent from us when we establish this new household called marriage. However, we're supposed to still do what with our parents? Respect. We're supposed to honor them. I think the term I wrote down here, which I really love, that's a sticky wicket. Do I know what that means? Absolutely not. But I have heard it so many times. And I always like saying it. It's a tough place, right? And it's more difficult for some relationships than others. 
And guess what? As you age, and some, I know some people in the room are going through this, sometimes our parents come back into our relationship and they're coming back as a dependent. And that's even more difficult because you're still trying to do what? Honor them, but sometimes you're having to care for them, right? So being independent does not mean forsaking honoring, but we know what? We've got to learn how to walk together. But the first step for a God-honoring marriage, you have to leave. You have to establish your own independent household. Number two, we need to unite. What do you think it means to unite? Hold on, have we been talking about that the whole time? Not being selfish, right? Don't be a selfish pig. Okay, that's how you unite. What are some factors that can make uniting difficult? I think we wrote all them down before too, but I'm just trying to keep y'all involved a little bit. Is there anything that y'all remember from that? Selfishness. Thank you. Yeah, you got that, right? Don't be a selfish pig, right? I think we said that already. So, uniting. How can we be continually united to our spouse? I think when we pray for one another, when we do things together, I think one of the best things you and your spouse can do in the church is serve together. We should have more ministries where the husband and wife can serve together. One of the biggest issues we had early in our marriage was I was always doing something and she was always doing something else. In the church and everywhere else, we were divided up. And guess what it didn't do? It didn't do as well at home. If church comes and divides you up, well, then you're not going to have, you're going to have issues at home. You need to be serving together. Do something that you can do together. We need to be united, not just in marriage, not just physically, but we need to be united mentally, spiritually, and relationally. We need to make sure that we're understanding how to do that. Another last step for a guy in marriage is to become one. Physical intimacy is important for oneness. We've talked about sex enough. I don't want to talk about it anymore. So, last thing we're going to talk about tonight before we get into small groups is we're going to go to Galatians chapter 5. And I'm sure all of y'all know what's there, but we're going to go to it and talk about it anyway. Galatians 5. We're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit. And why are we looking at the fruit, y'all think? Because you've got to know what the root is in order to see the fruit, right? Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit. It's love, joy. Peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Is that the characteristics that describe who you are? If you had to go back and rate yourself, let's say it's March, right? This is March, yes. If you had to go back from March the 1st to whatever today is, the 20th, the 18th, the 22nd, the 23rd, whatever today is, how would you rate yourself on each one of those? One to ten. One being amazing, ten being even more amazing. No. You said you get number one. I was trying to go there. Uh, so how much love do you have? If people were to look at you, is the characteristic of how you treat everybody love? When people see you, you think, man, that guy's got such joy in his heart. What about peace? Are we anxious for everything or for nothing? Long suffering. I'm going to get to there in a minute. I'm going to save that one. Kindness. Are we kind to other people? We don't live in a very kind society. The Christian, we should be kind. What about goodness? What do you think that means? A goody two-shoes? Probably not. Somebody who's good reflects goodness. Faithfulness. We talk about a marriage that lasts. Does it take somebody being faithful? Absolutely right. Gentleness, a gentle soul. Jody, big old fella, I always see him with kids and he gets right down with them. Why? Because he's, he's gentle. You can see it there. And then self-control. Are you able to control yourself? When you see a Cadbury cream egg laying at home, 
Can you walk past it? I, I did it all week. My daughter said it was hers, and I didn't lick it or anything. Honestly, I left it laying there, right? It was very difficult, right? Self-control. Do we take these, and do we look at our life and rate ourselves? My encouragement is every once in a while, we should. You know what it's going to find for us? It's going to tell us whether or not we're doing what we should be doing. The fruit of the Spirit is evidence, again, of the root. So, you want to make sure that you understand what fruit do you need more of? If you need more, what are you doing? Are we just recognizing? Are we being like James? Look in the mirror. Man, ain't too good, but good enough. And we're going down the road. Are we stopping and saying, hold on, God. I need wisdom. I need faith. I need kind, whatever it is. And asking him for it. Are we seeing that exhibit in somebody else's life and going, hey, can you tell me how you're doing that? Are we too selfish? Are we too prideful to ask others? Hey, I need help. How, do you, how are you doing that? Hey, I've looked at your kids. Hey, I've looked at your life. I need to figure out how did you do that? Because I ain't got it in mind. That's why the, hold on, that's why the church is here, right? That's how we're supposed to be. The home built by God requires both of you to give control of your life to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to repeat the principles one more time, and then I've got a little thing and we're, I'm done. We need to build intimacy. We need to be alert to the needs of your spouse and work to meet them before you seek to fulfill your own. One thing I've done, this is just a little weird thing because I'm a type A strange person. Uh, like for my family, when we have a family get-together, I'm one of those, I like to serve everybody their drink. And when everybody's got something to eat, I go get my food and sit down. It's, one, it's just a weird thing. I notice my dad does it, but it's something I think it's a good thing. You know what it says? Make sure everybody else is taken care of before I am. And also, it's really difficult sometimes. Like at church, I try not to have that principle because you go in and the line's already tore up, right? But no, sometimes it's good. Why? I have problems with food anyway. But we want to make sure that we work to meet everybody else's need before my own. To achieve oneness, we must share a strong, a strong commitment to God's purpose for marriage. We need to know what God's purpose is for marriage. You should have it on your, on your home somewhere. You should talk about it with your spouse. Your children should be able to tell you what your purpose for your marriage is. Not just something we look in the scripture. It should be lived out. Okay, last thing here. Hang in there. I think I've said this most weeks. I'm going to make sure that we cover it again. If you want something to last, a marriage that lasts, you have to learn to endure. Endurance is something that is very much we all desperately need. You know one of the best ways you can get endurance? Suffering. Suffering will arise in your life, and guess what you're not in control of? Any of it. Things come your way, and you have no idea what it is, where it's coming from, how it's going to happen. You have no idea. Things are going to happen. I can give you just a little hint. The best way to prepare for unchosen suffering is to choose suffering. And you're like, has he lost his mind? Mm -mm, I haven't. Do something hard. We set the bar on the ground in every area of our life, and we're like, whoa, look what I just accomplished. We need to do hard things. Physically, mentally, spiritually. We need to enter into hard relationships. We need to talk to people who are above us in their mental capacity. Watch some of the debates that, that's been circulating on some stuff. I don't even know the words they're saying. We need to engage that, though. We need to be challenged. That's suffering. When you do hard things that you're not equipped for, and slowly over time you equip yourselves, guess what? You build endurance in life. We need to build endurance. If you choose now to work on it, you can build 
endurance in your life for whatever's going to come your way. Are you going to be prepared for it 100%? No. But you'll be better equipped to deal with it. Again, I'll tell you this. Hang in there. Whatever season you're in, it's going to change. Might be tonight. Might be next week. Might be in a couple years. <clears throat> Guess what? There's always going to be better days. You have to choose to look for them. We live in a victim society. You are not victims, folks. Get that out of your head. You are not victims. You are overcomers. If you need help, you need to ask for it. Seek, knock, ask God. We, the church, we need each other. I'll ask you one more time. Hang in there. Don't give up. Don't quit. Next weekend, we're having a marriage conference. You want to encourage people? Invite somebody that you know. Come and do it together. We need to build each other up. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for all you do. God, we're so thankful, Lord, when you look at uh, building something that lasts, God. I look at the, the cosmos, God, and I see how you've created it. It's amazing to me that the sun comes up every morning exactly the right position. The earth spins exactly on its axis the way it should. We're exactly this far away from the sun, exactly this far away from the moon. God, because you made everything to last for the, until you tell it it's not going to. And God, we need to have endurance as, as, as the church, as Christians. God, we need to be willing to hang in there, to grab on to our faith with every last thing that we have and say, God, I believe, help my unbelief. God, to say, help us through whatever season, to seek out help from other people instead of being prideful, instead of being selfish. God, help us to look around and see people who might need a hand up. And God, to give them that hand up, to encourage them, to edify them, to build them up, to help them to get to that next season in life. And God, when we had that same need, God, help us to be willing to take that hand and to stand up with them, God, to follow them, to ask them how things are done. God, I pray for marriages tonight, God. I pray that they would last. They would be set up for the, the rest of time, God. They wouldn't be something that would be something that's like, well, it's, it's difficult right now. This is a, tar, a hard time. No, got to be something where we say, hey, you know what? We're going to do this together. We're in this together, and we're not going to let anything break us up. I pray for the young people tonight that aren't married, God. I pray that would be their motto when they go into a relationship. They're not in a relationship just to be in one. No, they're in it for something that's going to last an eternity. So I just pray, God, that you would help us, God. You would give us endurance. You would give us strength. God, I pray you would also give us eyes to see the areas in our life we need help in. And, God, we would look for help and we would accept help in those areas. I pray for our small group time as we talk, as we have a chance to go through some questions. God, I just pray, Lord, that we would, we would speak, we would be encouraged, we'd have an opportunity to, to hear and to be heard. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.